The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Penguin prostitutes. <laughs> Never give someone a Fitbit for Christmas. Rick's brush with Fergie Jenkins. And a celebrity in-studio interview with Jim Peterick. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. <laughs> the Tony Lasano Podcast, and Opie production on the radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com. I'm Howard Sudbury from Back to You. Join me on the Island of Radio Misfits holiday special coming this holiday season to OpiShows.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along with us here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and we're back for another episode of the Car Guys Report. And uh, we always like to... uh, start the program talking about uh, cars. If you're not uh, tired of us talking about uh, the cars that we own, well, you're going to hear some more because uh, the things that we like to do is we, at least me, Lou, I like to talk about real world things. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, talk about a McLaren or something we may never have a chance to own or drive or whatever, but we own a variety of cars, and I like to talk about our real-world experiences, things that we do as far as maintenance, driving experiences, repair costs, anything like that. Now, let me pause you. Have you ever driven a McLaren? No, I haven't. I have. Oh, you probably have. I know. <laughs> okay, so that's real-world experience. <laughs> okay, well. Right, now, now, for the record, I'm not trying to be boastful, but I know you're <laughs> kind of saying, hey, you know, we might not drive these things. And I'm like, well, we're the car guys. We're supposed to get in a few of them. So, you know, well, this is why people come here yes, to hear yes, this. So. Yes, but, but, we're, but we're real people. That's the thing. That's though, true. Yeah. That, that's what I like. We don't mess around. We're, we're real people. <laughs> and you have a Viper anyway, so these Viper owners, I tell you. But uh, anyway, I, what I'm leading up to is the fact that uh, whenever I buy a used car, I usually like to, um, you know, you're not always going to get, you know, you can get a Carfax report that doesn't really tell you that much sometimes as far as maintenance and stuff. And it seems like anymore these days, people don't really have the big binder full of, of service receipts that I still do on all my cars. Um, so you just never know, like when you buy a car, like exactly, unless you are a hundred percent sure because the guy just did it or you're actually at the, at the mechanic's shop you know when the oil's last been changed when the air filters have been done any kind of maintenance items like that so definitely like the first thing i do when i buy a used car is within the first week or two i do an oil change because that way i'm assured that that the correct amount of oil is in there the correct type the correct brand everything uh and then i want to kind of go farther down the road in the next six months to a year do like the brake fluid do maybe coolant do spark plugs do um you know just basic maintenance air filters things like that uh especially depending on how old the car is and what kind of mileage it's got on it and i recently did most of that on my uh 2011 911 I wanted to... Um, How many miles do you have on I got 67,000 on that, which is a little higher for, for a Porsche uh, mm-hmm. 911, because a lot of those year, people... What year? 2011. I mean, it's eight years old, so... so let's do the math. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's, it's 8,000 a year. Yeah, 8,000 8, a year. 9? Yeah, that's not a lot, but it's a lot for 
for most Porsche owners, I think that there, you know, most of the 911s you see out there at a car show or a cars and coffee are going to have lower mileage if they're a newer car. But regardless, you know, I want at that mileage too. I wanted to make sure that everything was done. So I got the. Is it all for all wheel drive? Yes, it's all wheel drive. Okay. And um, I took care of most of the um, maintenance items as far as like the. Um, the, obviously, I've been doing the oil and filters. I did the drive belt because that needs to be done, and that's that's one of those things that I think people forget about doing drive belts these days because the serpentine belts, they're big and wide, and they drive like everything on the car, especially on a on a 911. It's driving a whole bunch of stuff. So it's just good good to get all that stuff done. I did the plugs, and I, I actually do coils too. I mean, that that's probably something that a lot of people would go like, what are you changing coils for if they're not bad? Well, I'm changing them because they're already eight years old. The car's got 67,000 miles. Coil on plug coils do go bad. And if you do all six at the same time or eight or four or whatever you have, you know, depending on what kind of engine you have in your car, then you've got them as a baseline. They're brand new and you probably won't have to worry about it then for eight to 10 years at least. So maybe that's a little uh, overkill on my part, but it's just something that I that I decided to do, especially too, because you're sitting there, any mechanic that's working on the car in order to get the spark plugs changed, you have to pull the coils off anyway. So you're down there and you might as well just do it all at the same time and just pay once for the labor instead of having to pay for the labor twice. So whatever, it's just something that I do, but the car is um, fully serviced now and I'm not, you know, barring any unforeseen failures of of something, I'm expecting to just have a happy motor. Yes, a good experience. And um, it's, it's fun. So I just wanted to touch on that. And also too, we always have to always like to talk about some of the cars that we see actually on the road uh, during our um, time on the road while we're driving. And I ta- saw two, as I'm calling, late season gems on the road. The waning days of the car show season. Obviously, you're going to see some kind of car show type cars driving, maybe to or from a car show, or maybe just somebody out for the proverbial Sunday drive. But I saw a Bay 68 Mercury Monterey convertible which mm, is a nice, big, one. two-door um, convertible. And then I saw, really, this one looked highly original, too. An early 50s, I don't know if it was a 51 or a 52, but it was an early 50s Ford pickup. And it was in, um, it looked very original. It was in a kind of a, although this might not have been an original color, but it certainly looked like it had the patina to it. It was kind of a sea green, kind of a, mm. kind of a pukey sea green color, but it actually looked pretty cool on that, on the, on the pickup. And it just looked like it was an original uh, vehicle. It just looked like it was, it wasn't restored. It wasn't modified in any way. And I just love seeing those types of vehicles on the road because it's something you can really, really appreciate. So that was kind of nice seeing those in the uh, latter part of the, um, of the season so to speak but um what do you do for in the winter months lou since we do live in the midwest do you put your um viper to bed so to speak for the winter or do you uh the viper gets its blanket it does and and i and i put like almost little booties on yeah. it there's little <laughs> it rolls up onto these oh uh, those the things to prevent the flat spotting yeah okay yeah i i really uh I, I put it to bed. I, I don't sing to it or anything, but I, I put it up in its little wheel stand. Viper yeah. in your garage. <laughs> and then you don't start it until what, uh, April or March? or I, I'd like to start it during 
the, uh, the, 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 just giving you a quick configuration. So if you looked at my garage, it'd be a three car garage. So yeah. it appears, and there's actually a fourth spot behind, let's call it the third slot. So okay. I can fit four cars in there, but seeing that it's all the way in the back and you're going to have limited ventilation, yeah. you know, the, Not the, a oppor- good idea. the opportunities to asphyxiate yourself in a short <laughs> time frame is very high. So uh, yeah, I usually will just fire it and uh, bring it for its its uh, oil change yeah. uh, early in the spring. Yeah, I tend to all I do for my cars uh, for the uh, winter months is obviously I always have have every car that I have on a, a battery tender because I always want to have the battery fully yeah. charged. I'll, I'll put some I'll, I'll put at least half a tank of gas in fresh gas and I'll put in um, fuel treatment stable or whatever. Um, but Ho- what I, hopefully Golden Eagle will be a sponsor to our show um, one day for what you just said. Well, it stuff works, you know. I use it all the time. I use it in my lawnmower, my snowblower, everything. But I, I do use a battery tender. Uh, as well. Battery tenders, yeah. I'm big. I'm huge on those. Yeah. I, I just they're awesome. Did you know that they don't work very well, like in Arizona? Why? Because of the heat? Yeah. Really? Because, yeah. Because the batteries here will last a lot longer for some reason. Oh, I've I've had batteries that have been consistently on a battery tender last twelve years. Right. It's and, unreal. And if you have them out in Arizona, I've had it last. With a battery yeah. tender, three years. Really? Yeah. I know like, heat kills batteries. Like, yeah. But this wow. is like tops. Wow. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, it is, I guess. But and I'm just thinking out loud. If I didn't have it on a battery tender, how I long would only, it last? Yeah. Well, as I'm thinking about it, you know, I guess it's how how often do you drive? You well, know, it's so. But but you almost have to have a car on a battery tender these days because there's so much of the parasitic draws yeah. of the computers just. Yeah. Draining your battery when the car is just off and sitting. Let me add just a little bit more to the battery tender. So when I'm in Illinois, mm-hmm. then I'm obvi- and we're talking the winter time, then sometimes I'll go down to Arizona in like January or March. And then we fire it up. We fire up the car on there, which is our Jaguar. And they're, they're on battery tenders. But yeah, if it's three years and, you know, I'm only down there a couple of times, yeah. I'm mostly in Illinois or I'm somewhere else at a car show, then. Uh, I'll come down there, and it won't be a big surprise if I go to fire it. And wow, yeah, wow, that's interesting. So because three or four years, huh? Because, like I said, I've had really good luck with uh, batteries that I've uh, kept consistently on a battery tender. Yep, and I have literally gotten ten, eleven, yep. twelve oh, yeah. years out of a battery. It's amazing. Yeah, and it just blows you away that you can get that kind of life out of them. But I got one more thing sure. for you on yeah. the battery. So our Lincoln. Uh, which is a 2015 uh, baby SUV. Uh, it's on the it's on the Focus, not the Focus, uh, Escape, uh, Ford Escape platform. So it's the uh, MKC. Yeah. yeah. Um, that thing is a battery potential hog because yeah. there's so much electronics yeah. that they put on the Lincoln versus the versus sure. the Escape. Yeah. So uh, one day it just kind of I will call it electronically freaked out yeah and what i mean by that is i'm walking by it and like it has a mind of its own mm-hmm. all of a sudden the lights start to come on and things and sure enough uh you know i mean you'd walk away and you'd open the garage door and the lights would be on and you'd think it was you know possessed or something and sure enough the next day the battery was like dead wow so when we called the AAA to come on out yeah and you're saying well lou come on you should be able to take this battery out this guy was a magician this battery was like tucked under it seemed like the steering column mm-hmm. so he pulls it out and we you know put a new battery on it no problem yeah just like that and i was like that thing went from a psycho car to a normal car just because of the battery yeah yeah, it's it's. There's so many things these days that you have to really just kind of wonder about, and the whole battery thing. I know with like BMWs, I believe 
that you can't even do the battery yourself, though. It has to be like registered via BMW through their computer or something. And that's what I've understood because I've, I've, I've yet to own a BMW, but that's one thing that I've, I've, I've heard. And, um, the battery and the, the battery and the, and the Jag is, uh, it's a convertible. It's behind the the, trunk. Wouldn't be. Yeah. It's in the trunk, but it's way tucked under there. I mean, it's, it's not an easy, you know, you, you, you have to have some gymnastic ability. Oh, sure. Yeah. The Aston's the same way that it's buried uh, under like, uh, two layers in the trunk yeah and it's a huge battery too it's a big long thing because that's got a big parasitic draw on it too and the battery's got to weigh probably 50 pounds and to get it out of there luckily i haven't had to yank it out yet but that's another battery that it's an agm which is the advanced um absorbed glass mat um battery the gel what they call it's not the gel cell but it's the agm which is the the best kind of car battery you can get these days and they last a very long time but that thing's going on about 10 years now, I That's think. That's great. Yeah. And That's so great. knock on wood, you know, yeah. it'll <laughs> keep it rolling. Yeah. I get that battery tender plugged in. That's for sure. But yeah. what I was going to say is in the winter, what I do is, um, on a nice day, if it's not, uh, obviously, you know, sunny, it can be cold, but, but sunny. And, uh, as long as there's not a bunch of salt residue on the roads, I like to get my cars fired up and take them out for, I have a loop that I do in about a 30 mile loop. It takes me about 45 minutes to do. And that's plenty of enough time to get the car thoroughly warmed up. And I don't have summer tires. The only car I have with summer tires on it right now is my Corvette. And I'm probably going to be going to an all-season tire anyway. I'm not a big summer tire fan because of that. One, because if I want to drive my car in the winter, I can then if I've got all-season tires What do you on have it. on your 58 Impala? I've got Coker Classic radials. Those, are, those, those aren't winter tires, though. No, but they're all-season tires. They're really? Not, yeah, they're not like a summer tire. You know, they don't have the summer. Because the problem is if you have a summer tire... But you're, the compound. You're, that's just a cruiser anyway. It is, but you're, I still... You're not, you're not doing anything. But, but I'm just saying, if I would take the, the Corvette out with its summer tires, if the temperature is 32 degrees or less, oh, that yeah, actually yeah. the compound is just... Yeah. It, it's Worthless. Yeah, it is. You could spin, and it, and you could it, spin it, in an intersection. And yeah, and it, and it could just damage the tire, too, because it's, it's the chemistry of it. And that's the only reason I don't like summer tires, because... I'm not sitting there autocrossing or racing, so I don't need the ultimate grip anyway. And if I want to drive my car in cooler weather or in the winter for once or twice in the middle of winter to keep it, uh, you know, lubricated and, and ready to go, then I can. I don't have to worry about it. So yeah, The Viper actually says anything under 40, 40, degrees. 40 yeah. degrees that, you know, you could be on a an exit ramp yeah. and all of a sudden you're... You're going up the extra yeah, ramp. So. Yeah. Well, the Viper, because your car has no ABS, right? Nope. And uh, no traction control. It's, it's, it's nope. like none of that stuff. It, no yeah. stability program. It's, no stability. It's, it's all. It's a go-kart with a plastic body on yeah. it. And yeah. 500 and whatever horsepower. Exactly what we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially what with we you need. behind the, the wheel, Lou. <laughs> there, it, my wife says to me, she says, there's absolutely no function to that vehicle at all. There's no trunk space. There's no reason to be in it. It's uncomfortable. I said, exactly why I need yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't ride in it, dear. <laughs> yeah. Well, she rides in it. My quick, quick one. My daughter jumped in and she pulls down the, the vanity mirror or, or what she thought would be a vanity mirror. She goes, Dad, there's no vanity mirror in here. I said, you know why? She goes, no, why? I said, because you always look good. In the <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> 
And is there is there no vanity? Is there truly no? no? Yes. Yeah. yeah no. Nope, it's, nope. it's just something that we, we don't need in. none of that. There's yeah. no vanity mirrors. Don't, I don't I don't comb my hair. I just get in it. I don't shave. You just <laughs> you know whatever. You just get in and go. We don't need no, no stinking no, vanity mirror. No. <laughs> I love it. If you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to tell a friend about our program. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. And of course, you can email us at any time. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions, criticisms, whatever you want. Let us know. Car Guys Report at hotmail.com is our email address. Lou, I know that you're a big uh, muscle car kind of guy, and you're always talking about uh, Mustangs and things like that. And we were just, right before we we started recording here, we were talking about the new Ford Shelby GT500 Mustang. And uh, some of the uh, initial uh, speed uh, tests are coming out on that car. It's got 700 and 60 horsepower, which is pretty phenomenal. And the thing that kind of surprises me, it's, it has a great quarter-mile time. They're saying um, it'll do a quarter-mile. Car and driver tested it at, at doing a quarter-mile in 10.7 seconds, which is awesome. And um, actually, it says here, wait, according to the manufacturer's claims, it'll do a quarter-mile in 10.7 seconds. And then uh, 0 to 60 in 3.3. And I just thought that the 0 to 60 time should be a little lower than that because with 760 horsepower on tap, you would just think that you would be able to get a, a, a quicker, you know, more more down into like the, the, the th- exact three-second um, 0 to 60. The new Corvette, the C8, has pulled a 2.8 second 0 to 60, uh, but the quarter mile wasn't as low as 10.7, I believe. I think it was a little slightly higher than that, but it says, of course, you know, Ford says achieving these times will require ideal conditions including a surface prep for launching the car, but um, it's going to be an interesting car when it comes out uh, momentarily. It says, for comparison, the 755 horsepower Corvette ZR1, now we're talking about the C7, uh, did 0 to 60 in 3 seconds and a 10.8 quarter mile. The uh, Camaro ZL1, 650 horsepower, did 3.4 seconds 0 to 60 and and an 11.5 second quarter mile. So compared to those, the the new GT500 is doing uh, very well, and it even beats the... um, Beats the Hellcat Red Eye too. Uh, the Red Eye was doing uh, zero to sixty in three point seven and eleven point eight seconds in the quarter mile. And just for comparison, the prior uh, Shelby GT five hundred that came out in twenty thirteen did a three and a half second zero to sixty and an eleven point eight second uh, quarter mile with uh, only six hundred sixty two horsepower under the hood. So the new uh, seven hundred sixty horsepower, six hundred twenty five pound feet of torque uh, GT five hundred uh, seems to be measuring up uh, pretty well, and we can expect to see hopefully a, uh, a full road test on that uh, soon. And I think it's going to slot in about seventy low seventies, I believe in price um so let me let me jump in on yeah this one. i was going to so, ask you what your feelings are about that so a couple things the first thing i think about is either a is the car not hooking up right off the start well yeah i mean that's got a hell of a lot of power or or is the gearing different that all of a sudden it's catching everything else at the back end yeah right i mean it, you didn't give us one number that the gt500 didn't catch 
So and there, and you had some real impressive vehicles. Oh yeah, there's some good competition. So that that sure. would tell me that maybe the gearing's a little different. The other thing is uh, uh, on my car story with Lou in January of uh, this year, I had Gary Patterson, who's the president of Shelby, talk about the new car coming out mm. with the car there at Barrett Jackson. So it was interesting. They wouldn't allow us to open the hood. We actually had the Ford representatives had to call headquarters before I did this video and wow. said, Lou's, Lou's planning on opening the hood. Can, Who? Can, yeah, well, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> Who's Lou? <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But uh, so, the, so uh, the vice president of Ford Performance was there on site with us, uh, Jim. And uh, so Jim and Gary were there and we videoed the car, but we could not open the hood because we weren't allowed wow. to show the mule yeah, engine under yeah. there. It wasn't up to the Ford. Uh, GT specs, <laughs> but the whole point is these guys were talking about the car, and uh, the other thing is it's not a it's not a, a manual. Yeah, it's a, a, a dual clutch. Yeah, seven so speed. so I don't I don't I think that actually probably might help its time. It would it um, would I mean because I got the PDK in the, in yeah, the 911 and it's just you, lightning fast. I don't I don't know if you could shift fast enough. In yeah, you can't do times. it in milliseconds. So yeah, yeah, so I'm just thinking it might be gearing or something like that. If it's if it's you know catching people that you know all of a sudden the second half of the quarter mile is, is you know is, is an explosion. Yeah, it sounds like. Yeah, uh, but it'll be fun to see when that comes out and get uh, some real-world numbers on it. You know, the manufacturer's claims. I think, um, and we'll talk about this, we're going to have a future episode. I, I'm not sure when yet, but we are going to have a future episode with me, Lou, and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, talking uh, specifically dedicated, entire show dedicated to the new Corvette C8. And, um, you know, the C8 is is producing a heck of a lot more power than it was rated at the factory. And that's always a safe thing to do these days, especially Ford, because they got burned, I don't know how many years ago, with, I believe, a Shelby that where it was rated at a certain horsepower and people were putting it on a dyno and it wasn't <laughs> cranking out, you know, where it should have been. So you're always better to underestimate, you know, horsepower, performance figures, or whatever, because it always makes the car look much better than when you exceed those figures in the real world. So... I think it's something that uh, car manufacturers are a little bit more uh, cognizant of these days. And uh, here we go again, too. I know I talk about Porsches all the time, blah, blah, blah. But um, the Macan Turbo for 2020 has been uh, revised somewhat, and it is now out. And people are raving about it, of course. It's got the... Uh, uh, now, this is the SUV, right? This is the small SUV. The Cayenne is the larger one, which okay. I have. The Macan okay. is the one that I had as a loaner. Um, uh, a couple months ago, and actually, I found it to be a pretty good car. This the loaner only had a a, a, a two liter turbo four in it, cr cranking out uh, two hundred and forty eight horsepower, and it, it was pretty peppy. It really was, For and I had a lot of room in it too, because that was the thing. I was because I'm a tall guy, and I I was wondering if I was going to have enough legroom in, in a Macan, and I really did. Uh, How tall are you now? I'm six three. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's tall. I got long legs, and that's really the downfall in most cars I get into is the legroom that I need. I don't have problems with headroom. It's just usually the legroom that, that uh, affects me. And I had, I had a lot of room in the Macan, so I was, I was uh, impressed. The uh, Turbo Macan, uh, Porsche has been making this engine for a while now. It's a 2.9-liter V6, mm. and it's been uh, tweaked uh, a little bit. It's, it's the same one that was in the previous model, but it's now rated at 434 horsepower, 405 pound-feet of torque out of 2.9 liters twin turbo. I mean, the thing's a rocket. Um, 0 to 60 in 4.3 seconds, and uh, top speed of 167 
in the Macan Turbo. I think two things that that, that are interesting here is is uh, <clears throat> they're offering um, top speed of one sixty seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so you had a 248 horsepower, and you're telling me it's peppy. Yeah. And now you're telling me this new one is 435 yeah. horse. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they're they're awesome. I mean, it's just, again, this could be the kind of car that you'd say, if you have to have one car, like we were talking about in a, previ- a, a previous episode with the um, Mercedes E63 wagon, AMG, this could be another one where you could say, if you have to have one car, what would it be? And this could be it. It's got the power. It's got the luxury. It's got the performance. It's got the pedigree. It's got hauling capacity. It's all-wheel drive. It's, wow. you know, ticks off all those boxes. And the price on this one, too, and that's one thing I was going to talk about momentarily, is attractive so to speak one thing that um Porsche's, what, what is that attractive price well i'll tell you in a minute lou i just want to talk about one other thing first um a range of updates on the 2020 macan turbo including the arrival and i've read about this before we'll see how it works in real life is porsche's surface coated brake technology they're calling it pscb and they're doing something where they're they're coating the the surface of the disc and it's supposed to reduce wear and it's also supposed to be uh, basically eliminating brake dust. Wow. And that's cool because... So, so is, it, is it a ceramic? I, it, it, I don't know exactly what it is. They're doing something chemically or, um, you know, physically, well, molecularly say, or something. They, they to say the, if you put rotor. ceramic brakes, brake pads but, but on... But these are not, these are not um, you know, those super expensive ceramic... Um, steel ceramic or carbon ceramic brakes that you can get as a package on cars like a Porsche for like $8,000. This is coming standard as far as I know. And this is as it preserves braking force and actually slightly improves any brake fade that might happen because they're saying it's the spooky physics at play on the surface of the disc. So they're doing something where they're treating the surface of a steel disc and it's going to reduce wear and help eliminate brake dust, which is very cool. And now getting back to your question... The Macan Turbo for 2020 retails uh, starts at $83,600. Now, sure, that's a lot of money, but it's much more affordable than the Cayenne Turbo because it's pretty much got very, very similar performance, very, very similar cargo capacity, and the Cayenne Turbo starts at 126500 wow. Okay. So you're talking... That's over fifty percent more. So it's like a bait and switch. No, it isn't. They say, look just, at you, for eighty four grand, Lou. It's a piece of cake. It, right. It's a it's forty two thousand nine hundred dollars less than a Cayenne yeah. Turbo. So literally, if, if you were looking at those cars, yeah, you would say, why would it, what would entice me to buy the Cayenne Turbo so let, over the Macan Turbo? So let's ask this. You 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 know you like the Porsches and all that. So and I like more of a nine eleven of you know sure Porsche. Yeah. So but let's talk. The, the SUV that you're talking about. What's the depreciation on these kind of things? Do they fall through the floor? Uh, no, they don't. 911s hold up their value pretty well. The Cayennes, Macans, they're they're pretty much like every other European luxury In car, three like a years, BMW. Down forty percent. Yeah, they'd be down. Yeah. Okay. Well, then then that's the time. Forty to forty five percent. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what to do. I mean, that's how I I bought my. Um, yeah, that's, my Cayenne that's, that's the way is a 2008. It. I bought it in 2014, so it's six years old. But I have the original sticker on it. It was a seventy thousand dollar vehicle. What'd you pick it up for? 
like twenty eight thousand. Oh, see, that's the so way yeah, to less do than it. half. Okay, then yeah. then that's the Azure's four wheel drive. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. then that's yeah, it's, again. And it's a Cayenne S. It's the V eight. So it's not yeah. the turbo, yeah, but it's the V eight, which I wanted. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, yeah. Let's wait three years, Lou, and then and and buy one, and it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's interesting. I would like to hear that thing, too, because, you know, I'm not a V6 fan. And since it's got that high output V6 with the twin turbos, maybe it sounds a little better than than what I'm used to a V6 sounding like. But we'll just have to wait and see and, and um, see what happens. But the part of the program here where we always talk about uh, cars for sale or cars that uh, have recently sold, whether at auction through private parties, we see them on Hemmings, Bring a Trailer, which is one of our favorite websites, and also Nicholas Mee and Company, which is a uh, uh, Aston Martin dealer in uh, the UK. I'm on their mailing list, and they always have very cool stuff crossing their used car lot, if you were to call it that. And this is another one that slots into that category. It's a 2008 Aston Martin Vantage RS, and you're like, okay, what the heck is that? Well, they're billing this one as the concept car. Uh, They're not telling the price. It's one of their famous POAs, which is price on acceptance, so that means they're kind of vetting you as a a potential buyer. But uh, they're basically saying this car's got 1,000 miles on it's got the 5.9 liter uh, v12 it's mako blue with a gray interior it's a manual transmission but here's a little bit i'll just just very quickly say what it is is revealed at the opening party of aston martin's design studios in december of 2007 the unique vantage rs concept was revealed by ceo dr ulrich bez and resulted in a rush of customer interest and orders placed here was aston martin's smallest car with their biggest and most powerful engine installed the concept utilized the aluminum VH chassis architecture and, in this instance, was fitted with an Aston Martin Racing supplied C-Spec DBRS9 engine utilizing dry sump lubrication and highly specified components including tuned length exhaust manifolds, forged pistons, and strengthened uh, steel connecting rods. So it's basically like a race car with revised lift and duration camshaft and modified cylinder heads. Extraordinary power is transmitted through the operated uh, six-speed manual transaxle with limited slip differential, bodied in aluminum and carbon fiber, uh, some unique to the Vantage, Vantage RS concept. The car also included carbon fiber interior fixtures and fittings, Alcantara trim, and exclusive lightweight materials. Total weight of the car was 1,500 kilograms, some 200 kilograms under the weight of the production V12 Vantage. What's kilograms? Kilograms is a 2.2 uh, roughly okay, one kilogram so, is 2.2 so pounds. So 30, about 3,500. Yeah. A little under that. Yeah. And it says tested by Paul Ricard in 2008. The Vantage RS was timed through the speed trap at 175, which they have Aston Martins now that'll go faster than that. But again, this is 11 years ago. And, um, they said the car was considered almost too fast to consider along the public to buy one. <laughs> And they said the Vantage, Vantage RS, the very car. All of a sudden, I'm liking it even yeah, more. The Vantage, Vantage RS, the very car we are proud to offer at Nicholas Me, was publicly revealed at the 2008 Geneva Motor Show. Mm. It was subsequently road registered in 2014 and one of the very few Aston Martin concept cars to enter private ownership. And they're saying it represents a unique opportunity for collectors to acquire this remarkable road legal and fully functioning concept of what was to become one of Aston Martin's greatest cars in the modern era. And 
And, you know, I don't know what the price would be on this thing. I don't know if it's going to be a million dollars, more more than that, less than that. But it's just... Has it sold? Uh, not not that I know of, no. Because so this, this is, is the first time it came out. I just got this email a couple of weeks ago. And then when I get the one next month, it'll say... Um, you know, if it'll be still be listed on their on their uh, on their site, then it hasn't sold yet. But um, it, it's cool just because it's basically it's, a, it's kind of a race car factory race car concept car. And somebody, if you got enough, uh, if you got enough money, um, you know, maybe you can uh, can buy it because it's for sale at uh, Nicholas Me and Company in the uh, UK. And which, me, me has two E's. Me, yeah, M E E, yes. They're, uh, they have a very, I mean, their dealer looks so cool too, because they're, they're kind of out on the outskirts of, of London, I believe. And it's just kind of in the English countryside. And it's just a very, very nice setting. I'm like, I'd love to take my car there yeah. <laughs> for service. It would be really cool. If you like the uh, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Like the show, Back to You. It's an OPI show, legendary Chicago television. Television personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. They talk about life, travel, food, and the long list of things that, well, maybe stuff that kind of gets under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their main, many famous pals might stop by. It's the show called Back to You. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. And we'll continue the Car Guys report in a moment. But first, we need to take a break. We'll be right back. I am Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on Back to You, our podcast, we do all kinds of things like, how would you describe it? We do nitpicky things sometimes, like how come you got headphones on and I don't? Because I'm the star of the show. Well, see, that's up for uh, debate and deliberation. And uh, a lot of the show is about who gets top billing and last word. Well, we'll find out on the next Back to You with Howard Sudbury. And Steve Baskerville. See ya. Bye. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. An Opie show, only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And um, this is uh, kind of a list, Lou, that I developed on my own, uh, talking to various people at car shows over the last couple of years. It's not at all inclusive, all inclusive, but it basically captures some of the features that people miss on modern cars that we used to have in the cars of the 50s, 60s, and maybe into the uh, 1970s. What would be some of the things that you that you miss on, on cars? You know, you see a lot of the cars, uh, 50s and 60s cars that you tape for your channel uh, on YouTube. What are some of the things that you like personally like or have noticed that, hey, we don't have those anymore. I want to see if they're on my list. Some may, some may not, but um, it, it's going to be kind of an interesting thing. What do you... Well, the first thing would be great interiors. Yeah. You know, I mean, the interiors of the cars of the 50s are nothing short of brilliant artwork. Yeah. Um, and the stuff we see today is a flat screen. Sure. So, you know, that's an easy one. So... Uh, that that's the thing I miss the most, um, probably more than anything else on that. Well, some of the, it's interesting because some of the the th- 
taking an overall picture of uh, 50s or 60s interior plays into some of these specific things that uh, are on my uh, features missed list. And one would be bench seats. You don't see bench seats anymore no. in cars, hardly at all. I mean, I, I think the Toyota Avalon for many years was one of the only cars that you could still get with a front bench seat. And other than like a truck... And even, like, pickup trucks don't even have bench seats anymore. They have bucket seats and a huge yeah. center console for your laptop or whatever. Yeah. So bench seats is one of them. Large, thin-rimmed steering wheels instead of the short, thick, or, or, or small, thick steering wheels we have now. Like, my Impala's got one of those, you know, Ralph Cramden-sized steering wheels, and it's, like, really thin, and it's the plastic and stuff. And there's something about that, that tactile feel of that steering wheel while you're driving the, the car. It's an interesting thing, and people miss that. And also, too, one reason why they had bigger wheels back then is because, um, you know, a lot of cars, A, might not have had power steering, so you need actually the actual uh, diameter of the wheel to be able to maneuver it, or the fact that maybe the, um, you know, the, most of them had, uh, uh, not worm and roller, but... Um, you know, non-rack and pinion steering back then. So the, just the technology wasn't there where you, you might need a larger wheel to maneuver better. But that's one thing. That's why you'll always see in the in the 50s movies, too, where they're always like constantly correcting their the steering on the huge steering wheels. It's hilarious. Uh, vent windows, too, is something that a lot of people miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last ones that I really remember on cars were in the mid-70s. Ford had power mini vent windows. Do you remember those? Well, I mean, I can... I've seen some of the Chryslers have, you know, in the in the uh, 60s would have power vent windows and, you know, especially on the Imperials or things like that. So... I think it's so cool. I just always thought the power mini vent was such a cool uh, idea, you yeah. know. But then just the crank out, uh, you know, my Alfa Romeo Spider had had the, vent windows. The, the air comes right into your in your, your chest. It's but yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. And and the other thing too that like the Impala had it. I remember our '69 Sabre had it because these cars didn't have um, uh, air conditioning, so they had fresh air vents, and and they. On both sides of the front passenger compartment on the on the footwell, they would have just a giant, it looked almost like the size of a speaker, like a 8-inch or 10-inch size speaker, and you just pull out the lever, and it just opens up this, this door, and you just get just tons of fresh air yeah, flying right through there. The car, yeah. And that's not even thinking about the vent windows. This is just this huge uh, fresh air vents, and the, the Impala has it. And I tell you, I almost, almost don't need air conditioning in the summer when I'm going to a car show in that vehicle because I just pull those things out and you just get tons and tons of fresh air flying through the car it's awesome is one of them your high high beam brake or you're right floor mounted high beam switch yeah is is one of the things that people miss the left-footed tap Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um you know i i grew up obviously we grew up with those on the floor and then you know when they started european cars traditionally had them on the stock and that's pretty much been adopted universally now but yeah a lot of people miss the high beam switch on, the, on floor. the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- interesting that you bring up. Wraparound windshields. How do you feel about those? Style or, or visibility? Uh, I mean, they're, they're cool looking. And I think they aid in, 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 in visibility to a point. But I think, I think what, uh, what's coming to mind, why I'm not jumping on it right away, is we're talking about visibility. Yeah. And the... Um, uh, you could definitely see better yeah. out of the older cars yeah. because the pillars in the back and the pillars in the front were thinner than they are now, but that's because they've got airbags in them. Yeah. So um, do I like the wraparound windshield better? 
It's, it is cooler to look at. Yeah. I think they went went away because I think it was had something to do with safety at some point. I think they weren't as structurally because um, I think the roof could cave in easier or something. The way I, I, I don't know. I'm not an engineer, but yeah. it's because you didn't have like a regular A-pillar up there. Yeah. So there's some kind of strength thing there. But they do look very cool. It's just something you just don't see. Um, this kind of gets back to your point uh, that you made about the um, interiors is real stainless steel trim, either externally on the car yeah. or internally on the car. Because like you said... Uh, even the Impala, my friend's 58 Buick. I mean, you look at these interiors and they're just like loaded with, it's not just chrome. It's a lot of it's stainless steel. And that's why it's amazing if they were to make stainless steel trim like they did back in the 50s and put them on cars today, the cost would be astronomical just yeah. because it's stainless steel. And the beauty of the stainless steel is if it gets dented, you can rework it and you can take the dents out and polish it up. And if you get stainless steel polished, I mean, it can be polished to a mirror finish. It's just unbelievable. And it's just something that people don't realize that these cars used to have this stuff. They well, just think it's chrome. They just think it's pop metal, which, which is chrome plated. It's like, well, some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. A lot of it is just pure stainless steel. The biggest piece to the jewelry of any car back in that time frame or earlier was that steering wheel, wheel centerpiece. Yeah. I mean, some of them look like glorified paperweights. Yeah. You know, they'd have a Packard emblem in them or they'd have a Cadillac emblem in them. And, I mean, you were mesmerized by the center of the steering wheel. Now, you know, you got a big flat spot that says airbag on it. Or, <laughs> or you, right. get, you get little. Well, well, even so, like, for example, um, yesterday I was in a uh, one of the new Ford GTs. And what they're, you know, that's basically a, a, an F1 car. So you're, you know, all of these gauges are on your steering wheel yeah. and how to make the car exactly. go up and down. Yeah. And, you know, here's your sport mode. Here's your track mode. Here's your almost track mode. Here's your, you know, we're cruising comfortably mode, you know, and it's a little knob right on the mm -hmm. actual steering wheel. So there's no more single you know, paperweight that you're looking at that's just amazing. It's, well, it's like hood ornaments, too, have kind of gone yeah. by the wayside. I know Mercedes, Bentley, you know, uh, Rolls-Royce still use them here and there. But And you were talking especially, too, if you go back to the cars of, the like, the 20s and the 30s when they actually had, like, uh, glass uh, hood ornaments designed by Lalique, which is a French company, and those show up on a show like Antiques Roadshow every now and then. They're just artwork, and they're worth a ton of money too. They're like ten and twenty grand. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable. And that's just like when I, I was recently um, went to a Cars and Coffee with um, my girlfriend's uncle, who is not a car guy, and. He wanted to, I wanted to bring him to a, a Cars and Coffee just so he could appreciate it. And he really got a charge out of it because I think what he realized was people just think about a car being transportation. And he was seeing so many different kinds of cars there with different engines, different ways of places of putting the engine, different bodywork, different everything, and realizing that all cars are not the same. And you can really appreciate design and style and the art behind cars as much as you can just the mechanical yeah. bits and pieces of it. And I think that's what, what really captivated him. And I think that's what people nowadays don't really necessarily realize is the fact that we used to make cars that were perhaps more stylish and more um, genteel or whatever you want to call it than the mass-produced appliances that we see today. Not every car made today, obviously, is like that, but there's so many of that, and I think a lot of people just 
uh, don't, can't appreciate what we used to have. Well, let's let's go back to let's talk modern for a second. What is the stuff we appreciate? We appreciate still the stuff that has great design, whether yeah. it's a Pagani Hyra or yeah. whether it's a Ferrari or yeah. whether it's a Lamborghini. It's because it's got extra styling to it. Sure. Anything that looks like a jelly bean doesn't have any styling to it. Yeah. So, you know, that's the challenge yeah. that we face. And one other thing on my list of features that are missed, and this would be a design element, it, and obviously uh, there's a reason why they've gotten away from uh, regular round-type headlights um, is because of the aerodynamic nature of the cars, and everything is proprietary now, but quad headlights on a car, four quad uh, round headlights, or not quad, but yeah, quad meaning four, duh, but uh, four round headlights. Uh, the Impala has them, 58 Buicks had them, a lot of cars had them. The Cadillacs in the late 60s had them stacked vertically. A lot of the Fords had them, like the Galaxy, I believe, that you videotaped while back the seven liter that has a stack quad uh headlights they're just cool looking they really are and um well, it, now now not to debate you but i yeah. always like the single headlight you do okay i, That's I, fine. I like the 57 and before okay um that does not mean just for the record so people are going to go to the <laughs> channel lou this is a four headlight car and you said it looked phenomenal yes they still look phenomenal so if it's a 60 chevy or the cadillacs you mentioned with the dual headlights absolutely so I like those, but if I had to have a choice... Your druthers, you would take single. I, I would go with yeah. a 57 Chevy okay. versus a 58. Okay. Although, I like the 58s, and we just featured a 58. So, What do you know? Hey, look at that. Lou, we got to take a break. I just ordered some uh, guide... T3 headlights for my uh, 58 Impala. I want to make sure I have some separate, uh, some stock on those just in case they go out. They're getting hard to find, and I think the delivery man just came. So we'll uh, have to take a break here, and we'll be right back. If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously... He has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. A Tony Lasano podcast, the No Pie Show, and because it's soccer, we never use our hands. Radiomisfits.com. Lasano and Friends. I do this podcast. Really? Yeah, you should listen to it. Yeah. What's it called? Well, Lasano and Friends. Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No, it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. crap. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It'd be nice if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Wow. Are we friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Quite, quite, quite. Well, yeah. Lasano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long are we going? <laughs> Radiomisfits.com I'm Howard Sudbury from Back to You. Join me on the Island of Radio Misfits holiday special coming this holiday season to opishows.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. We're having a great time today talking about cars, which we do all the time here on the Car Guys Report. That's what it's all about. We like doing lists on this program. Some of this gets a little esoteric. We were just talking about uh, cars from times past that showed a lot of uh, maybe uh, features that we missed that we don't see anymore and how that kind of translates into uh, a lost era of style and a design that we might not uh, ever see again. But uh, this is a list that I came across on the Internet 
I've got some question marks here because obviously I wanted to add my own viewpoint to it, but this is a list, and this is, again, this is not definitive, and this is supposedly going by every decade. So some of these cars, granted, I'm not totally familiar with because I'm not real strong on cars from 1900 through about 1930. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know those. I know the cars, but I can't. If you would point one out on me, I, I wouldn't be able to say like, oh yeah, that's a you know a 1912 Packard or that's a oh that's a 1915 Chevrolet. I wouldn't necessarily know that, but we'll just start on the list. The 1907 Cadillac Model K. Mm-hmm was one of the best luxury cars in the uh this list that says every decade okay every decade yeah so, so we're starting but we're not 19- it's not it's but then there's a it's some of these i i selected some of these though so s- select cars from every decade so okay, i've so got stuff from the from the aughts from the teens the 20s the 30s i skipped over the 40s because there wasn't that much there because of the war world war ii 50s 160 and 170s and so it's a select okay. group because I wanted to try to get stuff that people would be more familiar with. I think okay. that's what I'm looking for. Say, right. I, if, you, if you showed me a Cadillac Model K from 1907, I don't know if I'd recognize it as right. such. I could probably enjoy it, but I wouldn't say, oh, that's a Cadillac right away. Yeah. Now, this one, I think we could all agree. The 1909 Rolls-Royce Silver Ghost. Okay. That's a big, massive vehicle. And Rolls-Royces, you know, with their nice uh, silver or chrome or polished... Um, stainless uh, radiator shells and the uh, spirit of ecstasy on the uh, radiator shell. The 1916 Packard Twin 6 is a uh, considered one of the best luxury cars of the decades. Another uh, Rolls-Royce makes the list, the Rolls-Royce Phantom from 1925. The uh, Studebaker President from 1928 makes the list. Now we're getting more into my wheelhouse, and this is something I would definitely say is deserving of being on the list. The 1930 Cadillac V16 Cabriolet. Uh, They made very few V16 Cadillacs. They're considered just incredible, incredible cars. They're just massive. They're glorious. They're just incredible. And with that V16, you just, oh, it's just incredible. Just really something. Another one that that is on the list, we're going up to 1955 now, would be the Bentley Continental R. Now, I had a Bentley Continental R, but it was a 1994. It doesn't hold a candle to the original 1955 Bentley Continental R. That was a high-performance, high-speed coupe that they made in 1955. They're gorgeous cars. They go for huge money these days, and they're just they're just beautiful. They really are. The 1959 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Now, I would take... Um, I would actually... There's another Cadillac from the 50s that I would say is more um, luxurious than that. You know, of course, the 59 Caddy had the huge tail fin, so that's probably what people are... Um, you know, uh, recognizing there, I would vote for the 1958 Eldorado Baritz. Now that's the one that had the, uh, stainless, stainless steel. steel yeah. And the suicide doors. I just think that car was, and it had memory seats. It had some really groundbreaking things in it. The fact that it had memory power seats in 1958 is just unbelievable. I think it had, um, Something tells me it had something with glass. It was either like its own whiskey tray. It had a, it had a, I know what you're saying. I think maybe you're thinking about it It had a, I thought it had like a compact set for your your wife. It had like like a lipstick and a perfume atomizer or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's luxury right there. The 1961 Chrysler 300G convertible. So that's a Chrysler letter car. And then, of course, uh, one that we all remember with the 500 cubic inch engine, the 1976 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. And those have uh, actually, um, you know, they kind of faded out in, in desirability maybe 20 years ago, and they've kind of come back. They're still affordable because I think Cadillacs as a whole are underpriced. But um, that's a good one to get because it's the last of the uh, convertibles in the mid-'70s. had the 500 cubic inch engine, front-wheel drive, uh, a great car. Uh, Other brands, uh, marks that were not on this list, and I would definitely um, say that they should have been included. We had the one Packard on there, but any 50s Packards, like the Packard Caribbeans, I think would be deserving of a luxury best luxury cars uh, moniker uh anything from lincoln like the 58 uh was it the 58 lincoln or the 55 the big one that they the mark three the 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 big super luxury car which they actually lost money on everyone they sold 56 cotton yeah that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah they lost money on every one of those they sold the mark two the mark two there you go it was the mark two mark thank you lou (laughs) it was a great car just fantastic and the and the v12 caddy uh lincoln's too from the late 30s the those are just incredible cars and then duesenberg where are they i mean they they should be on any list because duesenbergs are just unbelievable uh cars that are always considered to be you know super luxury super expensive cars of of uh of you know not royalty but movie stars and things like that so again these lists that we bring you here on the car guys report they're not definitive we're not saying they're the ultimate list and that's why we're adding things to them or or saying why is this on the list versus something else when you think movie star cars and you think the 50s and i'm not saying uh you know where's the gullwing yeah right i mean that was that was the flagship car you know so but I don't know if they'd call that a luxury no, car. No, it was a sports, sports car. car, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we, so that, okay, so we'll take that off. Yeah, the there's way. all kinds of definitions that we can, yeah. you know, talk about now you, here. One, one that you said, the, 50, the 59 Cadillac, you said the six, Series 62? Uh, it was a Coupe de Ville. Coupe de Ville. Yeah. Not the uh, Baritz Eldorado. They didn't have that in, in 59, though. Yeah. Did they? Yeah, the Eldorado was the... the well, yeah, but the, the Brits... The Brits... Yeah, because the chrome and... Because the stainless steel roof was only in 50... No, 58, 59. So we're talking the big, the biggest tail fins. I know that, yeah. But they had a they held an, they had an Eldorado. They had an Eldorado, but it wasn't the, the stainless steel roof. No, that was 50. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that, yeah. I just think that was, to me, the penultimate thought that expression was of luxury. Yeah, it was. Okay. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The Eldorado, yeah, that's an awesome car. Yeah. 59, you know. Yeah. But I just think that, that stainless steel, if you just see one of those in person. Oh, yeah. They're the coolest they're cars. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're neat. So, All right, we're in agreement. They're cool. There we go. And I'm glad you straightened <laughs> me out on that Lincoln thing. I couldn't remember what, what year exactly I, it was, but yeah. I'm sure you have one on the channel, I, I right? Found, of course. Yeah. I, found it, I, I found it interesting <laughs> that it's called a Mark. I, Mark, I, yeah. Well, and you didn't get it, Mark. Okay. I got it. Two, Mark, two. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, thanks, Lou. <laughs> if you like what we're doing here at the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, obviously Lou and I enjoy it very much. We thank you for listening to us. And also, while you're listening, please subscribe to our podcast, too. You get an automatic push notification every time we've got new content. And also, uh, take a moment to rate us, too. We'd love to get more ratings on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing, hey, let us know. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, you can search for it through Radio Misfits. 
or you can just search for it directly as the Car Guys Report. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And the best thing to remember about our podcast is they're all totally free, and it's listening on your own terms, whether you're listening on your uh, mobile device, your phone, your tablet, a desktop, you're in your car, you're streaming, whatever uh, platform you're listening on, you can always listen to us at your convenience. You can go back and re-listen to episodes. You can rewind, fast forward, do whatever you want. That's the beauty of podcasting with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable, and we're at the point of the program where we play what we call the My Car Story with Lou Guessing Game. Lou's got his popular YouTube uh, channel called My Car Story with Lou with, what, 1,300, over 1,300 videos on it right now, correct? Over 1,500. 1,500. Wow, okay. You've been busy. 1,500 videos, 1,400 different cars. There you go. Yeah. So what's the extra hundred? The train sets and uh, no, the extra the, hundred the would be uh, <laughs> early in Lou's career. He didn't know how to edit, so there was the ride the, and the review. The, okay, and now it's all gotcha. well. When we have the time, we do it all in one. There, and that is important. I think I'm, I'm glad that you've added that uh, to a lot of your um, your videos because I think the ride along is always fun. The ride along is fun. The uh, the other thing that I'm um, maturing the channel to is uh, a little drive by. Okay. So somebody drives their car by, I video that, and, um, and then they pull in and talk to you. Um, I usually have to catch them. No, what <laughs> happens is uh, they, dr- they drive by, and then we it's called a, the editing term. Mark is yes. called transition. Oh, okay. We transition into Lou saying. Hi, I'm Lou with another episode mm-hmm. of My Car Story. There my wife go. hates that inflection, by the way. <laughs> She's like, just say, I'm Lou with My Car Story. No, hi, I'm Lou with another episode of My Car Story. It's like saying, <clears throat> this is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. <laughs> yeah. Is this it, on? Because it's on, oh. I get so excited yeah. that we've <laughs> exactly. got a car. Yeah, hi, I'm go. Lou. There you go. That's yeah. good, though. Lou, right, you're right, into right, it, right? right? I'm into it. So you're going to tell me uh, three so cars how or the three game videos. Is played, yes. folks. So what happens if this is your first time to the My Car Story guessing game? I throw cars on a YouTube channel, and some of them do very well. Some of them don't do very well, but they're all, in my opinion, interesting cars or interesting stories or a combination of the two. So I'm going to – Mark hasn't seen any of these numbers. We guess a one, two, three order. What is the most viewed? What is the least viewed? So here's the cars – that we have on this time. So the first one, and we always go by the oldest, oldest car first. first. Yep. So a 1964 Studebaker Avanti in turquoise ah. with a supercharged yeah, I say, R2. I was hoping it would be the supercharged version. Supercharged version, version right. So the next one is a 69 Dodge Charger 500 four-speed in green. Now, what makes the difference between the regular Dodge Charger and the Dodge Charger 500 is the 500 has the Superbird back window to it. Okay. So it's not an indented window in the usual Charger, and the front grille is flat like a NASCAR. Okay. So it's a 69 Dodge Charger 500 four-speed in green with the 440 engine. And the last one is a 79 Buick LeSabre Sport Coupe with the 3.8 turbo liter engine. I remember those. So I'll go through these three again. The 64 Studebaker Avanti with the supercharger, the 69 Dodge Charger 500 four-speed in green with the 440 engine, and the 79 Buick LeSabre Sport Coupe with the 3.8 turbo 
engine. Well, since my first car was a 1969 Buick LeSabre, I'm going to go with the LeSabre first because it's just a unique car. You don't see too many of them. Uh, then I would go with the good old Avanti and then the, the uh, Charger 500. Okay, so the way they came out, the number one winner is actually the Studebaker. Really? The Studebaker okay. came in first. Huh. You gave that a number two. Yeah. The number two car was the Dodge Charger wow. with the okay. five hundred. <laughs> it's all wrong. Then. That's all right this time. And then, the, <laughs> and then the and, the, and let me give you the numbers too. So the, and they were pretty close. So the Studebaker had eighty three hundred views. Okay. The Charger had six thousand sixty three views, okay. and the Le, uh, LeSabre had forty eight hundred and sixty okay. views. So, so this time. We'll wait for your next opportunity. Well, you know, Avanti's, I can see why it would be number one, because it's a car that still in this day and age, I mean, it's considered a classic and it's a neat car, but a lot of people, I just don't think know what it is. And it's a unique looking car. It was a Raymond Lowy design, I believe. Yeah. And uh, with the supercharged too, that's cool because those are the, that's really the one to get. The more desirable. Yeah. Um, but that LeSabre's is an oddball car. I remember those. And the fact that uh, it's probably the same derivative of the engine they were putting in the GSX or uh, the GNX or whatever. Late, so, later on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the other one, you know, you said it had those, those Dodge two, Charger 500. Yeah, it had those, the, the grill and the rear window were different, but is it that visible when you look at it, it like you know it's something different? Well, yes to answer your question but it's not obvious yeah, different okay. you look at it and say what what why doesn't this look like the normal 69 charger that yeah. i'm used to you're look you're 69 charger you're thinking dukes a hazard yeah and you're wondering why does this one have headlights in the front grills flat okay something's wrong with this yeah. charger i mean it looks just like the dukes a hazard charger but was that a special order yeah it was well what it wasn't so much special order it was a short time frame that they did those cars okay. i don't know it might have been six months or less okay and they specifically wanted to do it for NASCAR. Okay. And then they they shifted over to the Super B, or excuse me, the Superbird and the um, um, uh, the Daytona. Okay. So uh, the Daytona actually might have been first, and then the Charger was second, or vice versa. I think the char- the the five hundred Charger might have come first, and they said, "Let's just put this nose on the, the okay." Thing. But but yeah, somehow they were in the same same time frame. Some. Some Dodge aficionado will send an email to us. Well, and obviously, that. though, Lou, you you never cease to amaze me because you're always getting the the great stuff. You know, you just don't get the normal Dodge Charger. You get the one with the the, the limited edition or limited availability grill and rear window, and you find not just the Avanti, but the one that's the supercharged Avanti, which is the one that well, that people that, want. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, on the channel, the goal is try to find something that. Even if you have seen the cars before, you get a little bit excited to say, oh, sure. he's got that extra piece. What so, color was the Avanti? It was uh, turquoise. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that sounds a little uh, unique because I don't remember if I've seen a turquoise. It's, it's, the classic color with that car was kind of like a gold, I remember. They mm-hmm. made a gold. Yeah. And then you see a lot of them in red and white, the lighter shades. But the turquoise sounds interesting. We did yeah. have a white, uh, was it a lighter leather interior? Yep, white interior. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Those are neat cars. They really are. Yeah, interesting uh, sun visors on those cars. They're actually like pieces of, uh, I'll call it plastic foam. Okay. So when you pull them down, you got to be a little bit careful when they're from 64 because yeah, it's deteriorating. Yeah, yeah, wow. So he actually didn't want to have sun visors. He was almost kind of forced to put sun visors yeah. in there. So he made it more artwork than actually functional. Okay. So that was kind of interesting. Cool. 
That's great. And uh, just in case uh, you forgot what Lou's uh, YouTube channel is all about, it's called My Car Story with Lou. It's on YouTube, and he just has all kinds of incredible car videos and their owners. And we uh, always talk about uh, what's going on with uh, his channel as part of uh, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll talk about frivolous new car features, part one of that. Not necessarily frivolous. Some people might not think they're they're that frivolous but we'll have a great conversation about that and we're going to break that into two or three parts and we're also going to have some thoughts on the car show season that has recently ended so season ending car show thoughts that's coming up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive certainly glad to have had you along for the ride thanks so much for listening special thanks to executive producer tony lasano with opishows.com Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? And Friends, starring me, Tommy. <laughs> and me, Kimmy. And me, Sam. Come meet your new best friends. <laughs> and hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam. Right here with Ant Friends. Me want you as friends. <laughs> Radiomisfits.com. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV, now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with Shark Tank's Mark Cuban. As a dad, uh-huh. when your kids want something, do you make them give you the 90-second pitch? Oh, uh, like... yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll give them that. And for that reason, I'm out, too. <laughs> <laughs> Minutia Men, Celebrity Interview. An Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I'm Rick Kemper from Free Kicks. Join me on the island of Radio Misfits Holiday Special coming this holiday season to opieshows.com.